Hello, dear ones. Quick, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I ask, "What's the biggest thing in your life you need to fix?" Is it something in your house? Is it something in your life, in your business, something about yourself, your body? What do you need to fix? It's been a real awakening for me since I recorded this interview about. How often I'm trying to fix things, find solutions, meddle in situations I probably shouldn't be meddling in to ensure, or rather force, air quotes, solution. And oh my good golly, is it powerful and results producing to stop? Trying to fix everything, and instead going into allowing. And you've probably heard coaches talk about this before. Probably not going to shock you that I'm offering this idea to stop trying to fix things. But we're going to unpack it in a way that I have a strong hunch you're going to hear about. Fixing and living and inhabiting joy in ways that you probably haven't considered before, and I have a strong hunch that it's going to it's gonna inspire you to look at the challenges in your own life in a whole new way, and in a way that enables you to find the best, real, long-term, sustainable solutions that arrive. With the greatest ease into your life. So this is a powerful episode for you today, and I have the privilege of speaking to the amazing Elena Sonino about this idea of stopping our effort to fix things, halting those efforts in their tracks, and why we should. So in today's episode. We talk about what it actually means to stop fixing, how to start listening and allowing instead, and how to be your own soft place to land by focusing on self-compassion practices. We'll end on an invitation that will have you rediscovering what allowing truly means, so you can receive the best. Heart-aligned solutions to your challenges. So please stay with us until the end. Welcome to Soul Guide Radio, a podcast for soul-guided leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs here to bring about change on a massive level. We'll explore how you can activate your big soul mission, amplify your spiritual gifts. And clear the energy blocks weighing you down, so you can gain unstoppable momentum in life and business. I'm Allison Scammell, your host and soul guide. Hey there, Soul Guide Circle. That is the name of this community of soul guided leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs. In the Soul Guide Circle, we have big soul missions. And we yearn to earn more, serve more, and grow spiritually along the way. If you aren't already a member, then I, from my heart, invite you to join our Facebook group of over nineteen hundred leaders and light workers who are in service to each other and the planet. Find a link to join on my website, AllisonScammell dot com, or in the show notes. 
Today, our guest is Elena Sonino, and we talk about an absolutely delightful topic. Elena has me, as she's holding the space for me, I, uh, you know, uh, I have a moment in this episode, you guys. I have a real breakthrough moment, thanks to her. And I have to tell you, since recording this episode, I have experienced a huge shift in my life, in particular with regard to my daughter and trying to fix my daughter's challenges and how that is just a whole lot of expended effort and energy on my part that really doesn't work. And Elena offers a a much, much better solution to when we feel those urges to fix things in our lives or in the lives of those who we love. Today's guest is Alina Sinino. She is on a mission to inspire individuals and groups to thrive in their lives with more curiosity, purpose, and delight. She runs a coaching practice. She's a keynote speaker and a yin yoga teacher. I don't have to tell you, you will see in the interview how much I received from this, from this exchange of wisdom. So may it serve you as profoundly as it served me. Please enjoy. Welcome, Elena, to Soul Guide Radio. Allison, thank you for having me. I'm so delighted to get to spend this time with you. Fantastic. We share something extremely special in common. We share a virtual assistant. Actually, Tasha is my online business manager, and I know she does some work for you, too. So what a special connection we have. Absolutely. All the adoration for all things Tasha. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, today we're talking about how to stop fixing and start living and inhabiting our joy. And so I would love to like, let's get in deep here because, you know, we can, we can hear these words, Elena, and they can sound good, but I like to go in and, and, and really talk about what it really means and how we can really integrate the wisdom and 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 talk about what we do and we just have the bad days and and so I would love to just have like a real conversation with you that goes in a little bit deeper on all of these topics than maybe other people are going. So I'd love to start by asking you, what does it mean to you to stop fixing? Yes, and I'm here for this deep conversation because it is so necessary. So fixing, I... I think many of us, the the society that we are in is all about fixing, right? Seeing problems and creating solutions. And there are things in this world that absolutely 100% need to be fixed. And if you are bleeding, please put on a band-aid. But we, you and I, are rarely in need of fixing. We are not broken. We don't need to MacGyver ourselves. And... I think about this idea from, you know, I learned, I felt broken for a very long time and a lot of different people and circumstances have quote unquote told me I needed to be fixed. Oftentimes it started in my body, right? From when I first got off a plane coming back from having spent the year summer in Europe after high school. And this was still in the days when people could come to the, the you know, the gate to greet you at the airport. And my mom, who I love and adore, looked at me when I got off the plane 
and was like, oh, you're coming to the gym with me tomorrow. Oh, my I God. The summer in Zurich drinking Guinness. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, and look, I love my mom. But but there was that she saw me and was like, something needs to change. To fast forward when I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease in my early 20s, clearly we needed to fix, right? I needed medicine at that time to help me. The the energetic remnants of all of that left me feeling a bit broken, like I couldn't trust my body, like something was wrong with me. And that's had ripple effects in my life. And you don't have to have a cancer experience to feel that way. In our relationship, sometimes we feel like things need to be fixed in ourselves, in our day to day. And so there's this element of how do we get out of that space of feeling like we're broken all in our whatever it is we're feeling, whatever it is, the circumstance, notice it and then replace the fixing with curiosity right? With this allowing. And I know that you and I also share the love of deep intuitive connection, right? Of having that power, that clarity come from inside. And I've learned this over and over again in my life. And it always astounds me every time I'm reminded of this lesson. It is astounding. I I totally agree with you. And you're really like triggering something in me that has been triggered recently. And I I call myself Elena, an expert energy healer. I've done like a lot of coaches and healers, loads of healing on myself. But I just had like your story with your mom is making me think of, I just had this sort of deep epiphany about my relationship with my dad. My nickname as a child, and he still calls me this, and it is a term of, of endearment. And I do believe he does intend it with love, especially now as an adult. But I was a big energy as a kid. I was a big life force and I was hard to parent. So I was, I'm empathetic now because I am now raising a big life force and I understand how challenging it can be. But my father's nickname for me for my entire life has been nuisance. Nuisance. Mm-hmm. And he's always called me nuisance. And I was always like, oh, yeah, it's a term of endearment. You know, my dad is a good guy, just like your mom is a good person. Yeah. (laughs) But I realized that I took that like I am 46 years old and I've been in the coaching and health and development for years. And I'm just now realizing how much I took that on. I am a nuisance that needed to be fixed. Right. Absolutely. And we hear, we absorb all these messages, right? And yes, they're, you know, they're terms of endearment, whatever, all well-intentioned and they stick and it begins to, to poke holes in how we trust ourselves, how we show up for ourselves, how we show up for others, because there's that little discord lingering behind us. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, right? All the circumstances in terms of what needs to be fixed. We recently had a situation with our dog, in fact, where he was attacked by a neighbor's dog. And he has become quite sensitive. And I went into fixing mode when it happened. I became very reactive and wanted to absolutely change the circumstance, right? 
And it's, it's interesting how those little moments or big moments can then really open up this, this fixing idea and how to me, when we go into fixing, we're very reactive instead of curious and compassionate with ourselves and open to possibility. And so this, and the dog is fine, right? He's okay now, except that he's been, you know, assaulted (laughs) by another dog and every day. And it's been an interesting teacher to really remember, okay, if I didn't have to react in the way that I'm reacting, if I could notice that everybody's okay now, you know, because his reaction sometimes comes from my reaction. So fixing has this domino effect. (laughs) Yeah. So let's talk just a little bit more about fixing mode. What are some characteristics of fixing mode? How can we go into it? How can we notice when we are in fixing mode? I think when I look at my example of I'm a nuisance, I try to fix myself, right? Fix myself to not be a nuisance, not be a bother. And how do I do that? I am overly accommodating. I'm overly people pleasy because I don't want you to feel that I'm a bothersome nuisance. What are some other ways we go into fixing mode and how can we spot it when it happens? To me, one of the first things that happens when we're in fixing mode is our inner critic voice gets really loud. And we start to perhaps overthink to absolutely, as you said, you know, people please move out of alignment with our core values, out of alignment with what we know is true for us. The other thing that happens is I think that we, we stop feeling nourished, right? Because nothing that we can do is really ever good enough. We start looking for, and we look for solutions outside of ourselves. So we look for, you know, the right podcast or book or program that is going to quote unquote fix us, right? And so we turn outside of ourselves. And for me, the thing that helps me notice those moments are two things coming into my body, right? So taking three breaths, just sitting in a child's pose and listening, being, taking a body scan, even laying in bed, right? So that's the awareness in my body usually helps me realize that I'm disconnected from my body when I enter fixing mode. The other thing that helps me and that has helped my clients is, you know, journaling, brain dumping, taking everything that's on your brain, in your brain, and giving it a place to live on paper. And without judgment or censoring or needing to fix or change anything about it, really just giving it a place to exist so then we can start to notice it, honor it, allow it, and then make decisions from there, right? So there's there's a lot of noticing and allowing that I think helps us both become aware that we have entered this yellow or red zone of, of scene mode and then also begin to acknowledge and perhaps move out of it. I like how you keep referencing the body and the importance of going back into the body. I teach people how to connect and amplify their intuitive gifts. And I always say that intuitive gifts live from the neck down. And you've gone through quite a journey with your body. And you've you've said that you've transformed your relationship with your body to one that was an enemy to one that is now an ally. And talk about like this conversation of fixing, how many of us have at times thought that we needed to fix our body and there's something wrong with our body, recalling your mother's story. 
we need to go to the gym. I have a very similar story of when I was posted in my old career to Darfur and there was no gym. And the only thing to eat really was like heavy meat and bread. So you better believe I came back, not the, in my fittest form. And I was, it was kind of devastating. Some of the comments I got back from mostly my work colleagues who were not fit people, but I felt the need to comment about how much weight I'd put on. And I immediately at that time went into fixing mode, very self-critical of my form. And then like, how can I fix this form? And if there's one thing that I've learned as you have, and I'd love to hear your story, my how I've transformed in a similar way you have from my body being an enemy to an ally. And, and now I just feel deep love for my body, who's just my God pod. And you're here to help me protect me and, and, and tune me into my intuition and make me feel better. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your story in this transformation as well. Yeah, I think it took me many years to realize how my body was actually my ally. You know, I had spent so long in this combative state with it from, you know, that moment after high school with my mom to then in my early 20s when I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma and started not trusting. That was really, I think, the the peak of distrust in my body or one of the peaks. <laughs> and And then from there, What's interesting is, you know, I had six months of chemotherapy and then went into remission, but then recurred five months later. And in that recurrence, the doctors really, there were all sorts of complications that came up. I needed an emergency surgery. There was a blood clot, on and on and on. And my bone marrow cells were still healthy. And so they had decided I needed a bone marrow transplant, but that it was going to be autologous. And in 1998, that was a big deal. Transplants have come such a long way, but my stem cells were still clean and they literally gave me back my own cells to heal me. And it took me, Allison, years to make that connection of, oh my goodness, my body literally gave me what I needed. And that was the moment that I realized, oh, maybe I could be in allyship with my body, right? Maybe I could see it as this beautiful and powerful and stronger than I even know vehicle for being in the world. And then I started to notice other moments where that had been true. For instance, I was in early menopause after all of my treatments. And wasn't supposed to be able to have a child of my own. And yet, you know, almost 18 years ago, I got pregnant. We were on the path. We were weeks away from me receiving a donor egg that we had chosen. And yet I found out I was pregnant. And I remember being devastated when I first found out because it wasn't supposed to be able to happen. And even if it did, it wasn't supposed to be able to be viable. And the doctor said to me, this thing that I've just never forgotten. And he said, look, you can grieve or you can celebrate until the day you can't. And I went, oh, oh okay. Option B, please. <laughs> yeah. I, without even hesitating, I knew option, right? But it's, it's that reminder. And so for me, that has been, and it has continued, you know, since most recently I've had, because of everything I went through in my early 20s and being in menopause, at such a young age, I've had incredible pain, pelvic pain, and have been, you know, thinking it was just, it was just one more thing that was broken. And I was 
it was either, you know, live with this for the rest of my life or go to all the lengths to fix it. And I did. I've gone to see doctors. I've been in pelvic floor physical therapy, all of these things. And then I had a moment recently where I paused and I came back into my body. And to me, that, that has to be home base. But I had gotten so far away from it again. And I asked myself, okay, so what would happen if I weren't trying to fix me right now? And Allison, the most ridiculous whisper found its way to me and it was belly dancing. <laughs> and that seemed so strange of a whisper. And yet it made perfect sense because belly dancing is the movement of the hips and the belly. It's that whole sacral chakra area, right? And root where we find our home, our belonging and our expression and pleasure and creativity, right? All of these energy centers that live there, personal power, you know, moving up to solar plexus. And so for me, then getting to explore that, I am by no means a master belly dancer. And, you know, but it opened me back up to curiosity, which to me is the antidote of fixing and helps us start living. That is a really powerful story. I I love how you focus on the the shift and the the stop fixing, the stop seeking outside of ourselves, outside of our own intuitive gifts, and then instead to go into listening and allowing. And which it sounds like you is exactly what you did as you transformed your relationship with your health and your body. So I think like listening. We're, I mean, I feel like it's a, it can be a challenge, especially when you're in high stress, high anxiety, right? You get really neck up in your head. Okay. But we know, we, you know, you've, you already mentioned this. Take three bat breaths, go down to the body, tune into your intuitive centers, listen, get that inner guidance. Okay. So that's listening. And I, I mean, obviously that could be a three part series podcast right there, but. What I find, what I find, and my clients find, I believe, because this this podcast does attract a pretty intuitive crowd. I think allowing, I think that's the thing that can sometimes be more challenging because we do want the answer now. We want the shift now. And if we are in fixing mode, of course, we want the fix now. We want the solution and that's also a very masculine energy, you know, problem, solution, find the solution. It's always like when I'm talking to my husband, I always have to remind him, I'm not looking for solutions. I just want your empathy and I want you to be a compassionate witness to whatever I'm talking about. So I, I literally remind him before I like launch into whatever. So let's spend some time with allowing like, okay, so let's, let's, let's go through maybe like a scenario, a scenario Maybe with me and my I'm a nuisance. Okay. So I've noticed that yes. this thing that I thought was just a fun little thing, term and endearment, it actually has really affected me in a profound way my whole life. And it's like, whoa. So I don't want to go into fixing mode because I've been doing that for years. How I, okay. And I'm pretty sure I'm good at listening. So I know I can think in my body and listen. And then how do I allow? What is what does allowing look like in this example? Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes to mind and see how this feels for you is allowing the awareness, right? The you had this moment of of awareness of, oh my goodness, 
right? I absorbed this term and I've been carrying it with me. So offering yourself the moment of kind of see the the feel of it, the impact of it, right? So for the first step to me for allowing is, is an acknowledgement, right? Is, oh, okay, this too, right? And Kristen Neff, who is, you know, an author, a researcher, has done so much in the work of self-compassion. I love her practice of when you're feeling something, I like to put my hands up or my heart for it, but remind ourselves, of course, I feel this way. So that to me, there's an allowing of the feeling of the awareness, giving it a place to live without being afraid we're going to get stuck there. Because if we're really going to allow something, we have to get permission to exist first. Yeah. What, what sticks out to you about that? Oh, I love what you're saying about allowing the awareness. I feel like that was like the first phase I'm in right now. And it is, I'm just going to reflect back to you. Yes, it is so powerful and it's really relieving. I think when you're in real allowing and not fixing, it's actually like, oh, that's like, wow, that has been going on. Holy, you know, and seeing and acknowledging it, that's relieving. It's, it's creates space in the body. It does absolutely create space. Yeah. Right. So there's, and oftentimes allowing is, is almost putting a spotlight on something. Yeah. Seeing what's there. Almost like, you know, being at archaeology. I think of it, the vision that just came to me is like archaeological day, right? Someone's going around with like a magnifying glass and just, and in the body, when I practice yin yoga, I always think about, okay, what happens if I move ever so slightly this way or that, right? What's here for me in that moment? So the first piece is just allowing that awareness, really feeling into it, and then getting curious about it. Right. What is here for you in that awareness? What is here for you that you want to bring forward? Not because it needs to be fixed, but because it's coming from that inside place that says, so I've noticed this thing. I'm feeling this thing. And this is what feels important. Mm. How does that end? Yes. I think I'm in that stage now. So this is my homework. Elena, I'm going to do some journaling, get curious, get my, you know, my magnifying glass and like, what's here? What's going on? Love it. So say some of the questions that I love to ask myself in that space are, you know, what do I know for sure in this moment? What is it that is asking to be paid attention to, to be tended to? So one of the, the next steps then is to stay out of fixing is to really think about, okay, so this thing came up, this sensation, this feeling, this awareness, how might I tend to that, right? And I like to think of tending in terms of how I tend to my plants. Do they need a little bit more water? Do they need to be pruned? Do they need a little bit more sun, a little bit less sun? Because plants in one window at different times of the year might need different amounts of light because of how the sun is going to hit it in different seasons, Right. And so to me, it's also an invitation to create space for the and, which means that we get to feel all the feels and move forward. Right. That one is not mutually exclusive of the other. Mm. Yes. Yes. And so we're allowing the awareness. We're curious. What is here? What do I know for sure? What wants to be tended to? You know, what wants to heal? What's ready to heal? 
I feel like is is here in this space. Yeah. And then it's like the yes and yes and yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And that's where then we move into the the living, the thriving, the aliveness, the maybe even the joy, right? Because our aliveness is is a full continuum of experiences, right? It's not just the rainbows and unicorn. It's also the moments of of challenge, of sadness, of grief, of of all of it. And so how do we allow our hearts to be touched and stirred and bring forward the parts of us that matter most? Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the other thing that I would add, Allison, the the next thing is to also celebrate, right? I think would be one of the other antidotes to fixing so that we stay out of, right? So you're in this beautiful example of, you know, the awareness around this term nuisance. And one tendency can be, okay, we're going to bring all this awareness. We're going to get really curious. And then we still go to the same mode. <laughs> and so one of the things that helps me, it's really a daily practice for me and for a lot of the clients that I work with is to be in that place of celebration of noticing what is working and what is growing here for you in this moment. So, you know, you mentioned that this term was, was one of endearment. And so there might even be a space to notice, okay, how was it a term of endearment? Right. In that, with that lens, what is it shed the spot? What does it put the spotlight on in terms of what was growing in your relationship with your dad? Oh, yeah. For instance. That's such a good my, point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because I think it is my dad my and I dad. are a story of celebration for sure. Because I was a big energy kid and I was hard to parent when I was little, like my daughter is. So now empathy is here. And then when I was like an adolescence, even into early 20s, my dad and I had like a really rocky relationship. And then some time in early to mid 20s that really transformed and now we're like best buddies and we have a really cool loving supportive my dad is so emotionally supportive of me like I think about after my near-death experience he said the thing that put me back on track and he and it was it was something you wouldn't expect a dad to say and he's the one that got me living again after my NDE and when he calls me nuisance now, sorry, I didn't mean to get so emotional on this. It really, it, it, I just take it as love, you know, like today as a 46 year old, I do think I have some healing to do when I go back to like my five year old self, my six year old self. I think it's hurtful in that context and what I took it to mean. But I think there's definitely a yes and here. There are two stories here and the, the word both is a wound and it is a celebration at the same time, exactly as you're saying. Sorry, I didn't mean to get so emotional. Oh, no, I'm grateful. Thank you for, for being so courageous to share that emotion and story, Allison. Really, that's that's the power, right? I think you just kind of exemplified the power of this exploration to allow ourselves to notice where are we in fixing mode and what what would it be like to let that go for even a minute. <laughs> and yeah. it's like, you know, it's it's not the flip of a switch, 
but it's it's that the beginning of that exploration and you are so in it just with who you are and the work that you do. And, you know, we, these little moments find us sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for holding the space for me and sharing this wisdom to allow me to go there. I just, I felt called to share this and I thought there's listeners out there that's going to somehow relate both to your stories and, and, and this story. I'd love to know, Elena, about you you talk about a soft place and how we can become our own soft place to land by focusing on self-compassion practices. Can you tell us what a soft place is and share with us a practice or two for self-compassion? Yeah, absolutely. So to me, being your own soft place to land is that space of becoming just your own, you know, best friend, but really it, it goes back to that allowing of creating space for for you to be who you are in any given moment. And I think of it as an honoring, really, of who you are, of what you are. And one of my favorite practices, and it really encompasses so many moments, and I use it, I don't know how many times a day, if I'm being honest. I definitely start my day with it. I happen, I find myself in it during the, at my desk in the evening, but it is a breath, two breaths, an inhale and an exhale. But on the inhale, I whisper, thank you to myself. And on the exhale, I whisper, I love you to myself. And sometimes I'll even bring my, my arms into this and I'll open up on a, my arms on a thank you on the inhale. And then I'll kind of hug myself on the exhale and the I love you. So there's just this recognition that we, we are our own home base. We, we are human beings, right? So we crave connection and community and there is nothing like being connected and being in community and to allow ourselves to belong, to allow ourselves to be this thriving, to embody this thriving version of ourselves, this living version. We have to find home within ourselves first. And so that's really the soft place land. So that that thank you, I love you is one of my favorite practices. That's beautiful. I love the simplicity of it. I did it with you as you were saying it. And I just felt an immediate like at peace. So good. Elena, this has just been such a treat. And, you know, I got some free coaching in it that I didn't anticipate. (laughs) I promise I, I didn't. No, that was going to happen. So thank you so much on a personal level. And I just feel like our listeners are going to receive so much from your wisdom. I'm going to ask you in just a second how people can get a hold of you, learn more about you. But I'd love you to leave our listeners, before I get to that question, leave our listeners with an invitation. And that's an invitation to be someone, do something anywhere you'd, you'd love to invite them to go. So many things just came into my heart with that, with that nudge. <laughs> good, good. The, the invitation that I would offer is a practice, is an exploration. And it's this question of, and it's a question that I ask myself. It, it's a beautiful practice and it helps us stay out of or continue to tend to our fixing mode tendencies. <laughs> but it's this, what would feel delicious today? So starting in the day or in the middle of the day to just take a moment and maybe take three breaths 
and ask yourself, what would feel delicious today or in this moment? And the answer might or might not be chocolate. <laughs> when I first asked myself this question, the answer was my great wearing my great grandmother's pearls, which was totally random, but actually ended up having so much symbolism for me. So that's, that's the first invitation. The second invitation is if this conversation resonated and you want to fill yourself up with nourishment from within, I have a beautiful 10-minute practice. It's a little mini yin yoga practice that I would love for people to play with. It's free and I can share the link with you. You can put it in the show notes. And it's just getting into your body and filling yourself with that which nourishes you, which is absolutely one of the keys to staying out of fixing and continuing to be in this place of moving and thriving. Elena, those are brilliant invitations. Love them. What would be delicious for me today? I'm going to ask myself that question as soon as we wrap up. And we will absolutely leave a link in the show notes for people to get their hands on that exercise. It sounds amazing. I love yin yoga. And tell us how how else can our listeners learn more and connect learn more about and connect to you. Yeah, absolutely. So my website, elenasydneyno.com is a great place to start. And on that website, you can actually also find the second thing that I think is a great way to learn more about me, my new book, Inhabit Your Joy, A Book of Nudges, which is just a collection of literal nudges, some of which we talked about today to help us move out of fixing and out of survival mode and into this joy that we get to inhabit. And if you're on social, Instagram is one of my favorite places and you can find me there. Fantastic. All those links will be in the show notes, including a link to get your hands on Elena's amazing book. And I can't thank you enough for sharing your wisdom with us today on Soul Guide Radio. Thank you, Allison. And thank you for sharing your experience and your process as we went along. I really am grateful for that moment that happened. Oh, thank you. And I want to thank you so much, dear listener, for tuning in and being part of this energy. If you're feeling so called to leave a rating and review, we would be so grateful. Let us know what have you received from this particular episode or any of the episodes of Soul Guide Radio, and I will read your review live on the air. And as always, until next time, may your soul guide the way. Are you ready to fill your business with soul clients in the next 60 days? Then download my free energy upgrade meditation to amp up your energy frequency, dissolve the doubt, and attract the soul clients you are destined to serve. Find a link to download on my website, alisonscammell.com, as well as in the show notes.